We're going to start right And now. I'm Eric Davis. Oh, oh shit. Shit. That's great, Jamie. Very dramatic. Hello, everyone. This is Chad Demiani, and welcome to Stand Up and Clown, the podcast. I am your host. Uh, first, let me introduce our musical and technical director, not a host, James Venable. It is so amazing to be here together with everyone today. And I just can't wait to meet our guest. I hope Chad does a good job of describing him because I'm sure a fan. Go ahead, Chad. Oh, that's so weird. You now have fallen in the middle of doing a podcast and a live radio presentation. So um, I do want to get right into it, but I but I can't without, you know, we're only four epi- uh, five episodes in. We're only five episodes in to this podcast, and I do feel like I'm getting the same questions. So let me clarify. This is a podcast about clowning it is not a clowning podcast let me be clear we have no obligation to be interesting or funny or do bits or characters um we are going to talk about the ethereal art of clown and by the end of this podcast i've brought in a fairly seasoned some might say grizzled veteran of clown um and i'm sure he's going to finally solve the riddle which is answer the question what is clown that's the point of this podcast what is clown work so without further ado uh my new friend um eric davis welcome to the podcast hey thanks uh thanks for having me on i'm so thrilled to be on wow he's being nice now i gotta tell you seconds <laughs> seconds earlier when we weren't taping he was being a bit of a shit and now he's just like hey, how are you? nice try we have that all recorded, Eric. We have that all recorded. Uh, oh, shit. I almost knocked my coffee over. See, it's all... Uh, the, I have my Chad as an idiot Chad sign. An idiot picture. And also, this pi- I'm more angry about the character drawing than the Chad as an idiot. This, Can you describe this, it? What's, over, I think it's yeah. a good likeness that I drew of you. <laughs> my eyes are posted so on my close wall. together. <laughs> I look like every extra in Deliverance in that picture. Like My <laughs> eyes are literally crashing into each other like bumper cars. Um, well, I wanted to give you a little gift right from the get-go as soon as we started. And I said I'd save this. Let me tell you something. Eric, I would say among my friends, I would put Max Baumgarten in this category. Eric does have style. I'll give you that. You you oh. have like you have a style, but there's also like a little thing where <laughs> there's always a but. It's always a but about my style. Um, so Eric has style, but sometimes he like he's clearly stylish, but then he'll dress where he's like, oh, I just threw this on, I just threw this vest on. I just threw this on and it, it feels very much like a thought out process, but it's like, Oh, look, my shirt's a little wrinkled. I just threw this on guys. This is just, I mean, if I could, if I could take you, my, my, my camera is a little attached to the screen and everything. It's too much to drag at all, but I can take you to the bedroom and show you the, the, easy, the, easy the, the best, the best <laughs> thrown on the bed. Maybe this and now that color doesn't work with this. It's a little thought out. It's yeah, a little I think it's good. Out. By the way, I my it's a, it's, it's, is that's out. my second art form. This clothing? clown, and then just trying to figure out what the hell am I going to wear today. So you and really I, like you think about it. Oh, I, and I fuck up way more what I'm going to wear <laughs> than I do on stage. That's the true clown of me. Yeah. I was at a festival once, and somebody said to me, "Like, you know, you 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 work a lot with the things that you're wearing, and sometimes it's just god awful." But today you nailed it. Wow. <laughs> that was, I was like, oh yeah, that's fair. That's almost like uh, that book, The Game by Mystery. Like he, you were being negged. Like it was almost like to, you know, like that's something you do to like impress a woman. There was that whole movement in the early aughts of like, you sort of just use these negative in- compliments and then you somehow endear the person to you. Do you feel close to this person now? Closer because of what happened? Well, I feel closer because they were honest with me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Jim, you've been doing a lot of camera play. I just wanted to point that out to everyone. Is uh, what Are you trying to figure out what your role in this podcast is going to be today? That's that's. I ask myself every time I do anything with you, Chad, I ask the question, what is my role and why am I doing it? Uh, I don't like the tone, but um, that's fair. Um, Eric, we're going to have liner notes. We're going to put your bio Um <laughs> I do want to just give a cursory kind of uh, overlook. You've you've had a long, illustrious, complicated career. 
Um, you have uh, been in two Cirque du Soleil productions that I know of. Is that true? Is there more? Uh, one, two, uh, three. Three. Okay. So, three. so you've like, you of, of all the guests we've had on so far, you have like lived that like more traditional clown life, you know, doing a show uh, 10 times a week type clowning, you know, right. uh, you've done that stuff. Uh, also, um, Eric is uh, known by many as the character Red Bastard. Um, which uh, you recently brought back and I had the pleasure of watching at the Elysian. Um, But also I feel like you are a clown in transition. Is that fair? Like you are now looking for the new thing and the new thing that defines you at this age and at this point of your life. I thought we were going to keep that conversation private. Wow. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Um, I mean, I guess the people talk about that you're always kind of in search of, of your clown. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was listening to the podcast before this and thinking like, Oh shit, I better before this podcast, just make a little note of things that I've done so I can think about the things that I've thought about in the past or done. And cause they're, they're different in different ways. And when people say sometimes like you're always in search of it, uh, but now I'm trying to figure out how to, integrate all of these things and figure out what's the next thing. I, I almost, I, for myself, I started going away, away from thinking about clown or Buffon. And I'm just thinking about all of the dynamics of the things that I've been working with. And it's almost like a mixer. I've got a giant mixer board in front of me and each one of them has different uh, dynamics. Uh, and do I want to go, which end of the spectrum do I want to go on? And these different uh, aspects like about, uh, you know, am I, am I making fun of somebody? Am I making fun of myself? Uh, you know, all, all of these different things. So, I wanted to, and there's so much I want to discuss with you. I but bored myself to death. Yeah. I just bored myself Jim just, to death. Jim left. Jim left. <laughs> he literally left to get literally a drink. Literally left. I don't um, need to hear I, this. I saw, this is a I good saw time Chad's eyes. <laughs> Chad's eyes glazed over and started thinking about what's the question I'm going to come no, up with no. that's going to pull us out of here. I mean, this is, Jim and I had a long conversation. I was like, look, Eric's going to run on. I was like, look, this is just, he's going to run true. on. Uh, he's a delightful guy, but trust me. Um, no, but, uh, but, but, uh, but I actually totally do understand. And Jim, he even tried to use musical references to keep you engaged and you still walked off and got a lacrosse. Like, it was double. Oh, is that crazy. what those are? Okay, good, good. I hope so. I think he, I think he's drinking. Let's, but, let's we'll, play we'll, a game. We'll if I'm going on too long, you give me a big sting. And I'll wrap it up in five oh, seconds. Okay, Jim. Okay, so and I should tell you too, Eric, that um, Jim's are. I just want Jim to focus up. Jim, you know how this podcast ends, don't you? With your minute of Jim, it's a minute where Jim will encapsulate all the wisdom that two clown masters have imparted during this hour. So it's his job to really stay focused, so that then he can, for the layperson kind of explain what they should have taken away from this podcast. What I love is that Chad presents this minute as though it's some sort of treat for me to do. And yet he turns it into a chore in that last description. So I'm really I just want you to know it's important to it. Well, I, I feel a lot of pressure now. So Eric, I want to go over a bunch of stuff, but to this point, you know, I am also, someone who feels like, you know, at this point, I do feel like I'm kind of locked in that I know that the clown I am better now than I ever have, which, and then part of that is also knowing how little I know. But so I went and saw uh red bastard at the Elysian. How many years ago did this show start? Like how many years ago did you sort of first debut this character? It must've been the, the <coughs> sorry uh dealing with covid so i might cough every once in a while um oh, it's called it's internet covid so mm-hmm. apparently it's the next it's the next so you'll so we can get it over zoom over zoom i caught this it's eye contact or internet exposure um <laughs> um no i had covid and i still got this cough but Nope, I already forgot the question. Next question. Uh, the question was, <laughs> when, when did uh, when did Red Bastard debut? Uh, well, I guess. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I got this off. I think it's. Oh my god, we're we gonna do a loop of this. It's a loop that's gonna happen for an hour. <laughs> um, in the two thousands, I took a, a workshop in a Buffon workshop, and 
somebody suggested that uh, I create a body for myself that was even uh, more fun to move in than my own body. And uh, I really, something about that took. So we made this uh, full show and then that show ended and I had these seven minutes from the show. I thought, gee, I really enjoy this. The audience really likes me this way, but I just had these seven minutes. So it was a long, very slow process of me building up these seven minutes to 20 minutes. And then somebody said, hey, uh, got this one at festival. Could you do 45 minutes when I had 20? I was like, yeah. So I made 25 minutes of utter shit, just utter <laughs> shit. And I did it, I think back then, uh, you know, you're, oh, you've been on these Cirque du Soleil shows, but I've also been, that one act festival was in a bar where there was a pool table with people playing pool between me and the audience. Oh, between? Yeah, in between. But I had a show. I had a show. I had a show. I did it. So oh, I built it. Yeah. I built that up eventually to an hour, swapped things out. Uh, so it was, a, it was a gradual process. I'm curious when you brought it back, um, and I was very excited to tell like all my students to go because, you know, we talk about who we are as a clown and, you know, you have red bastard, you know, sort of this genderless, you know, like it's timeless. Like I don't, I never look at red bastard and think he's a child or he's an old, old person or whatever, but you know, obviously the clown within the, the Buffon suit is older you know, how did it feel like this show that you have done so many places, won so many awards, but how did it feel to sort of put back on the the gear and go out there? Like, did it feel like a different character? Like, what was the experience like? Well, already sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes years ago, I would think like, maybe I... Maybe I'm gonna. This is the last show I'm ever gonna do of this. Especially if you had a show where it's like you wasn't what you wanted. That's it. I'm done. But I kept it around. Uh, but coming back hey, after the pandemic and after not having done it for a while, I was surprised by how much energy. I'd forgotten how much energy it takes to to fill that mask, that body mask and to be present uh, in every moment in the stillness and all of those things. And also all of the work that I'm doing to guide the audience through this journey, uh, manipulate them, deal with the different aspects of our conversation. Um, but yeah, I, I still sometimes wonder, I feel that's a show that I made you know, a, a decade, a decade ago, longer than a decade ago. I mean, it take a while to, to reach its form, its final form, but it's not where I'm at at the moment. So I have this question of, is this what I need to be doing? That show does do something for me when I do it because it's challenging the audience, but that thing that I'm challenging the audience about is something that I needed to challenge myself about. So through this conversation with the audience, it's working on me. So to do it again was useful for me. And I was talking to a clown once. Uh, uh, who, who was it? No, anyway, um, they said, you should just do these shows, even if you're not really, if it's not really the thing that you are most excited about the moment, just to do the canon so that people can see the work of polished shows. And I thought, well, that's interesting. That's a useful thing potentially to do. I think what, you know, stands out to me and I, I want to tell a story about how we met, which I think is a really fun story, but like I had yeah. years before we met, Matt, I had seen the show and like really enjoyed it. And, and then seeing it again at the Elysian, I was like, this is still one of those shows, you know, because like clowning is timeless, but like also culture changes, but this show from the performer's perspective is such an exchange of energy. It's like constantly one, you know, being versus the entire audience, not presenting, but like constantly in, in com like playful combat in a way where I'm like, this is, this has to be like sleep for three days after a run show. Like, it's like, cause I know just now doing stand up and clown with Jim where I'm very much like challenging just the eight comics and, but I'm kind of keeping the audience. Like I like, if I were to have to, Battle Jim, the eight comics, and then the hundred people in the audience. Like that's what you're doing. 
you're like literally every single person out there is like at any moment can be like locking horns with the red bastard. I'm like, wow, that is, that's a certain type of clown cardio that I don't think most of us have. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a lot. Uh, and the difference between 30 and, and almost coming up on 50 was, was a lot. I had to really you know concentrate my energy about that. Uh, locking horns by locking horns with people. I mean, it's a conversation, but that conversation can get definitely into hot spots. And there were times uh, where I would think, woof, when I was doing that show, uh, let's say for a few festivals where I might've done 50 to, to 90 shows or something like that within a short amount of time, you know, with a little travel set up at the end of a run, as such, I would feel I do need a, a break from this because there's the physical energy, but then also sometimes when you're opening up a space for people's personal issues and playing with those in a clown way and having a conversation through that, it's heavy. And it's a lot to hold that space, hold the theatrical space, but then hold that space with that conversation and try to protect that person, but still make a a space where something, some change could happen. They could make some movement on something if they want to, you know, uh, that could be quite exhausting, which is why I think in the next show that I do, I don't want that aspect to be my, my focus. I want to have a lot more uh, freedom and I'm going to move back a bit more towards the clown aspect. I still, I still love that conversation with the audience. It's what I, one of the things I love most about Clown Brew Farm is that connection and having that conversation and the surprise of how that conversation goes, which I think keeps it fresh for me and for the audience. And I'd like the focus to be a little bit more back on me now uh, in whatever the next project so, is. In other words, the least interesting part of the show is now the focus. Yes. I'm, I, you say that, but I'm, I am concerned about that. No, I'm <laughs> I, I am concerned about that, except that I've been doing, I've been doing little cabaret pieces that are, are swimming around an idea and they're going, well, the audience is with me. They're only 15 minutes of pooping around on stage, but I think it's, it's different. I'm not saying, what about you? Now it's like this idiot who's still hang out having a conversation, but yeah. it's not about it's not about them. It's about me and how I feel about them. And so there's less I'm less putting stuff on the audience, I think, for my next projects. Do you know how like, you know, I, I like to implicate too, and like I said, I mean, I'm, I, like when I said locking horns too, like I feel like it's sport, it's play. Like I feel like an audience is very excited to be like, oh, I get to play directly with the performer. Like I don't feel like that's the thing about Red Bastard that I like so much is it always feels like a naughty game. Like it's like you want to play a naughty game with me, which is yeah. like who doesn't want to play a naughty game? But you do feel Mischief. like, oh, I've got to pick it, pick up my I got to pick it up right now. Like I can't be passive the, in this. The audience feels game. that way. Yeah, I think so. Um, when I know when I do a piece that involves a lot of audience interplay, one of the ways I judge if I had a good show or not because you can't judge it necessarily by volume or amount of laughs, because also sometimes you just walk into a room and everyone there just wants it to work. doesn't mean it was a good show. It's like everyone there yeah. wants to be on the right side of the show and they're laughing at everything is if I go back there and I take a second and I don't think I've ever told anyone this. If I can remember where everyone was sitting, I'm just like, Oh, you were there. Like I can yeah. literally like in my head, oh. see faces in rows like, like I could literally, mm. if you're like, Hey, do you know where the guy with the baseball cap was? I could be like, he was about three seats in, in the fourth. Like, that's when I know that that part mm. of my brain opened up that allowed me to like take everyone in at once. And if I don't remember anyone, usually doesn't mean it was a bad show, but it's like not exactly what I was looking for in terms of my connection. Yeah. Um, sometimes when I'm doing a show for 2,500 people, I also memorize each person in each seat. <laughs> I, I do what that a, too. I, that I would do be, that a lot. That would be amazing. And you just like, you say, you learn their name. No, I'm just kidding. It's like a magic show. <laughs> there, there, there's, a funny, there's a funny story about that. I want to bring back to this comment, but there was once something where you, you would prepare 
people you would you would find people that you want to play with in the audience at Cirque. Uh, this person is receptive to playing, et cetera. And so you kind of play with people before the show starts and say, okay, this person in this seat or this seat or this seat is a good person to bring up on stage, right? And then some, but sometimes they would move around. They would move around. They wouldn't be back there. So then you'd go to find that person in that seat. <laughs> and there once was a, a thing that I was doing. It was a date. It was an act that was a date with somebody. And then I brought, I thought, oh, that, that's where that person was, the woman was. And so I got them. I was like, oh, is that is that the right person? Because it's kind of dark out there. And as I start bringing them to the stage, I realize, oh, that's this person isn't uh, in their late 20s. This is a long time ago for me. Uh, but it's like, oh, I think they might be they might be like 19. Oh, is that going to be close to stage? I don't think they're 19. I think this person might be 16. And then I remember closer, I was like, oh, wait, this person is 12. I'm going to talk about bringing back to the scene Amazing. now. Amazing. <laughs> it was like the longest amount of time to get an audience member ever. But going back to this thing about people laughing, there's also something I think there are times when I have a show and the audience might have been a Red Bastard show particularly, and the audience might have been laughing, just a killer show, tons of laughs. And at the end of the show, I might think, did I do my job? If it was all fun and games and they loved it all, I think, mm, I don't know that that was a great show. Somebody will say that was super funny, but I might not have hit the points where they were having the other dynamic emotions. Uh, they might be they might be scared or they might be uh, uh, angry or they might feel real intimate or all of those things. And when I have a show that goes all over the place, which might be difficult because I'm moving all, all, we're having all of these different experiences at some point. So we might stand up and say, I, you know, I'm angry about that. Or another part where everybody's like hugging an audience member because there is this emotional moment about something, or sometimes you're laughing. Those are the shows I'm really excited about. Um, and so it brings back to the question about what is clown, right? What's our job, which I don't yeah. think you've asked yet. Yeah, but I really appreciate about that. you taking over the role of host there, Eric, because uh, somebody well. needed to do it and get us back on track here. Anyway, about, about your career, Chad, I'm going to interview you career now. Question mark. <laughs> oh, you come on. Um, no, everybody you know, knows Chad. Just so Jim knows, um, structurally, Jim, before your minute of Jim is when I ha let Eric then explain what clown is because he's had this whole podcast to kind of explore it he doesn't get stuck in a definition and then you immediately follow eric with your minute of jim um you know right after this sort of tenured clown teacher and performer kind of expounds on it then it is your job to close the show does that make sense yes thank thanks for clarifying yeah you're welcome put put a bleep in here just in case we want to cut this out if you don't want to be uh, chided in front of everyone that's not, that's a good pause. You're supposed to put an edit <laughs> beep. Ah, uh, crap. Okay. Um, there it is. Uh, Jim, you didn't, you weren't our musician for the last Jetso show at Orange County Improv Festival, were you? I don't believe I was. Uh, just to Eric's point, I can tell you when Juzo and I were doing our final shows, it looked as if our last show was going to be at a great festival, an improv festival, because that's where we would play. Like we would do clown at improv festivals and everyone knew it was our last show. And we came out and right from the beginning, the audience was so receptive that it was the worst show we have ever had. Um, like in my mind, it was like, this is a terrible. And thankfully we got to do a show at UC Irvine about a month later that just kind of like, Hey, would you guys do one more show? And that was great because they didn't even know it was our last show, but because this audience wanted to support us, we couldn't get in trouble. Like we could do nothing to get in trouble. The show could never sink. And so then it was just like 25 minutes of, but it was like, I don't remember a detail of anything that happened in this show um, because, and, and then you talk about, you know, and, and getting back to the role of the clown, you know, I guess then I have to ask myself, it's like, well, maybe they all had the best experience and maybe I did do my job, but like, I, I feel like I do have some ownership on what experience I want them to have. Like it's my show, I'm there for them, but I do feel like I have the right to want their experience to sort of be in this constraints of like, I want them to suffer with me. I want mm. them to go through something with me. I want them to come out the other side better. Um, I'm not simply there 
to just sort of be in this sort of toothless, playful place for 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking about that as well. I tried to, I was like, well, okay, if I get rid of all of these definitions about clown and Buffon, like what is the thing that I am trying to do as a performer? But if I don't use those words and I, I, I was like, okay, well, I'm so I, and, and I think I always come back to these things and what it looks like might change. But I say, I, I want to, I want to, I have this, I love it when I'm in contact with this audience. So like, I want to meet that audience. And I, I think about it, the, the, that stage or, or the, wherever we happen to meet is like a playground. So it's got to involve play. And sometimes I want to guide them places, but also sometimes I want to be guided by them to certain places. And I want the, if I'm kind of the, the tour guide of this, it's like I'm going to take them on this, this journey that's dynamic. It's like a like dynamic journey of, of fun and vitality and meaning. Hopefully I could have, there could be some meaning in there as well. That's always the point. You don't want to get too soapboxy or didactic, but if yeah. I can figure out a way to have all of those things, I don't care what you call it. That's fucking amazing. Well, you know, I, I would give from my own perspective, um, obviously, Eric dropped that I have not done a show for 2,500 people earlier. I didn't, want I didn't say that. that. I don't know that. Whatever. It's just fine. It's fine. You know, I've, uh, I like and, to and really serve way, an audience. I don't like to just do some cookie cutter show from uh, Canada. That Those uh, shows just, aren't as fun to me either. I, I, I knew, by the way, a hundred percent. Cause I played with you like in the park. I've played with you at a little like, like rat box theater. And you're like, you're like a pig and shit. You're like having the best I time love of your it. life. You love I it. love it. Yeah. But I have this bomber bit. And to me, like, so I did this bomber bit once at a gay club downtown. And normally when I come out in this outfit and I'm like, don't panic. Like there is a moment where the audience is stifled, right? Because I'm, I'm entering them into this idea that we're all, our lives are at stake. But of course, at this, what I didn't know, I say, of course, but what I didn't know is that this particular club did a ton of drag, did a ton of like really. So when I came on this bomb vest, I was the worst dressed perform. Like it, they could not care less. So for me, like we had a good time. Right. But they were yeah. like, we don't, we don't care at all. Like, and so for me, mm -hmm. that was difficult because what I realized from that show is like, I am creating a world. And like you said, a ride for them to go on. And so in that, I want that journey, right? Like, like you're, you're entering this tense situation. You're entering this tragic situation. You're entering mm. this adventure. And if their reaction is just one note, like whether it's apathy or just like, Oh, this is all silly. Yeah. It's hard for, it's hard to feel like that show personally was a success. Like it can be something they all loved and were happy yeah. to watch, but it's hard to feel like, Oh, I did my job. Yeah, what is yeah, it's interesting to try to I think it's quite interesting just as an exercise as a as a clown or performer or whatever to like to I read this thing in a book once it was talking about composition and it said before we can the first thing you have to do is define your problem. And it's so simple, but I thought that's fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. So what is the thing that I want to try to accomplish here? What are the dynamics or what's the experience or what things and then then you can have a better chance at, at getting there potentially i think there's a lot of crossover with you jim and all this too because especially being a composer like a music uh, composer for film is you have an expectation don't you like when you write pieces you have an expectation of exactly what you want the audience to feel when they receive the music that that you've written agreed agreed i think there is a lot of element well if it's if it's composing say to picture and you're specifically trying to create a certain drama or or specific emotion then yes absolutely and and you're given very specific directions which actually makes the process a lot easier because you have these clear goals and guidelines where it's tough for me and one of the things i appreciate about doing live scoring for clowns is I get to go out and there is not very much directive, if any, and then I get to discover, which I think is really exciting. I think one of the most fun games we have, Eric, with uh, Jim and I, is I will give some, va like, I'll be like, 
this needs to be electric melancholy music. Yes. And then there's this pause of like him, like, what is that going to be? And kind of like, sometimes it's just, I decide, but sometimes the audience decides with me. We're like, that's not it. Like, um, uh, I remember, yeah, like it's this lovely moment where it's too jaunty or too big or too small. And like, it's such a fun game to be like, this music needs to be yeah. more maroon. Right. And it's like, what? yeah. How do you, how can you possibly do that? But sometimes I, he does. Like, sometimes it's like, that is more maroon. That's, this is way more maroon. And then a lot of times I get to yell at him, which is even better. Which I always appreciate. One of the funnest things for me is there, I, I have literally changed my setup to allow for more surprises because there was a point during Clown Zoo where I sort of had things wired to a point where it, it started to feel boring for me and for everybody involved because there, it was almost like it just ha everything happened on time and everything was right. Yeah, and it's almost yeah. better that I have a couple monkey wrenches. Like, I don't really know what's going to happen when I push this button. So I hope it's something cool. And then sometimes it's not. And that gets me in trouble, but it's kind of makes it more authentic in a way. Eric, I want to go back uh, uh, and tell how we, we met, which was recently. Um, so there's this show I do called Catsby. Uh, Jim does it quite a bit too. I believe second I and fourth was there. Sundays. Yeah. Yeah. You were there. You yep. were, you were the I musical accompanist. This. Yes. And um, I was playing with Jed Eveleth, been a guest on the show, very good friend of mine. And I remember, you know, we had just started doing these silent shows again. One of my favorite things to do, like ultra dramatic improv, no words, you know, Jim's composing music. We have a cellist we use a lot, Karen, Karen Hall, who's amazing. And I'm looking at this audience and I just see your face, Eric. <laughs> and I remember this. I just see, you know, one, you were dressed better than everyone else. You had, I, remember you, <laughs> I remember you had like a pork pie hat on and like, you just looked good. Like you, like you dressed well. And, but, but it wasn't that it was like, I was like, this guy's watching differently than everyone. Like he is clocking everything. Like he's clocking every moment that we're, he's not just enjoying it. He's, He's like studying tape for like a football game. <laughs> and I did not know who he was. I, like I said, I had seen you perform as Red Bastard, but, but I saw you in makeup. I had never seen you. And, uh, and Jet, who had met you, but, you know, God bless Jet's like one of the smartest people I know. But also it's like, yeah, I just didn't remember. We'd met a bunch of times. Um, <laughs> and so I start, I'm like, I got to do something like this. This is so much energy coming from this spot. And so we came over. And somehow we got your shirt over your head. And this is when I knew I was like, this is somebody because I knew you could see, I knew you could see, but you stumbled on the ramp. Like you, you and everyone bought it. Everyone. I'm like, this guy can see just, what is he up to? And you ended up pretty much blindfolded, like your face covered in the final 15 minutes of a show. And the three of us, it was a really good show. Like we were sharing like, and I'm like, it was so fun. Yeah, we were having the feeling the rhythm. I remember like being up against the back wall and like sensing it's it was a blur. I, I did have you know a blindfold on my face, so I could see shadows and lights and things. But I'm just feeling for the rhythm, the beautiful rhythm that you were making with things and the patterns with with you and uh, uh, and Jet. And I remember the point like where I could feel like they're going to turn now, and I turned at the same time and splatted myself up against the wall, and the crowd going just nuts. That all of us were in sync. Yeah, they like it was just like, and they're like, who this this person? They pulled up. I also remember I picked you up once, and the way you braced yourself on me, I'm like, all right, wait a minute. Like, he knows exactly how to keep, like he's he's taken all the weight off me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was ready just to power you up, and I'm like, you hooked your legs around and you put your feet kind of on my hips so that you would like be buried. And I'm just like, who the is keystone this? Who is this. And, <laughs> and so we do the show, you stay till the very end, like you're in the whole show. And then after I'm just like, I remember, do you remember this? I go, you're somebody. I said, what is it? I said, are you an improv teacher? Are you a clown teacher? And you kind of were being very humble. And then finally you're like, well, you know, some people have seen one of my shows. Like it's not like took way too long to say. And you're like, and, and I was like, oh my God, it's like one of my favorite shows that I saw when I was, you know, even though I'm, I think I'm older than you, um, you've been doing this longer than me. And like, I was very much uh, early in my clown sort of training when I saw that show and was like, this is kick ass. And, and then we got to do that show together and had another tremendous time. 
I love performing with you on stage. It is so uh, effortless, and I feel uh, held by you as a fellow performer and James as well. Like the like being on stage with 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 all of you is so simple uh, that whatever we do, it's going to work out. And good offers and good listening and building. And God, there was this such a fun moment. You have that photo. The end of the last time we were on stage together, something happened, and. Uh, Something something ended where like I was put into this humiliating position, and you were like, "That's the end of the show." And my clown, my inner clown, was like, "No, no, no, no!" Yeah. I, I totally did that way. on purpose. I, I totally did that on purpose. I that way. I completely stopped. Like really dangerous move for a show. Like because it, well, it did feel like it was like like a crescendo, and we could end the show there. But my clown, my my clown was like, "No, I can't end in this foolish place." And I stopped the show, which means that we would go back down to zero. Yeah. And we're going to have to spot to find something <laughs> from zero that's going to top that in not too much time. And, and also, again, you know why I did that too? Because I had been just because touch to bust your balls. The only picture I used to promote us performing together was from when you guessed it on Clown Zoo. <laughs> and it's like this picture. And Eric's like me, Eric has natural status, but he loves to be low. Like, like he, like, even though people like really welcome us as high status, we love to be low. We love to lose. And he's just like, I'm dressed as father bone, which is the character I direct with at clown zoo. And Eric is just hugging me around the waist and he's got his face smushed. Just like, just like right above my groin. And like this, so this is the, and I have my maestro like, maestro. Yeah. At a, and of course, I own, this is the only picture I use to promote. I'm like, hey, here's this amazing clown. And then like, and it's just such a lowly picture. So in that moment, we were pretty much at time. And I'm like, we're going to end here again, because this will be the picture I use when Eric comes back. And uh, yeah, you weren't having it. And then we ended up, I ended up, but by the way, that show made me laugh too, because I think in general, we both try to be smart. Like we try to take risks, but we try to be smart. And we're both like, all right, listen, you know, you're like, I have a bad back. You're like, and of course, two seconds of the show, you have me hoisted on your back. And then I actually. That's true. My- That's true. I, was like, that? I have to be careful. And then there's that picture, that photo of me. You have a lot of muscle. And it's like, I can see that photo. Like, I look like Hulk Hogan, like a skinny Hulk Hogan. My veins are <laughs> popping. The sinews are stretched taut. And I look like a beast holding you. And you have this expression on your face like, oh, no, he's going to throw me across the state. Yeah, it's such a good picture. And so then I picked you up. The, the show ends up with me, you on my shoulders. It's a yeah. great moment. And I actually did take a bit of, I'm like, I know I'm strong enough to do this. I probably shouldn't. But I, I went from like being on my knees to do into a lunge and I lifted you. Like, I know I'm, it's just like, just cause you can do something you probably shouldn't. And, but like, it was a wobbly moment with the wobbly moment with your knee. Yeah. It was like wobble, wobble. And I was like, yikes. But, um, but yeah, I'll tell you why I like pulled up and both of our arms, like, like our arms without, yeah, they went in this like same unison position without thinking about it. And it was this just beautiful uh, shape, a beautiful triumphant shape at the end of it. And I was like, holy shit, we did it. That topped the other thing. It was, yeah. it was gorgeous. Uh, the, and, 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 you know, and I want to talk a little bit about teaching, but let me tell you why in general too, I was like from those two shows. And also when you did clown zoo, I was like, Oh, I'd play with this guy any day. I was like, mm. give me a, I'll play with like, give no notice, no prep. I'll go on stage with Eric Davis for an hour. I have no worries is not only like, again, you are so willing to surrender status and also willing to embrace status, which is something that not every clown does. Some clowns just want to stay low and other clowns just want to stay high, but you're like, you are so quick. But what you also do is you make very clean, simple offers, all the offers Like there's not, there's like, it's like, this is so clearly what the offer is and you don't care what the person does, but you're like, it's like, there's never a question of like, what do they want? They're like, they're making, they're asking me to make a choice. I know exactly what that choice is. And when you react to any offer I make, you really like, you live in it. Like, it's like, it buys from, from an improv perspective. It's two things. One, it makes your offers feel very seductive and powerful when someone really lives in them. But you also buy the other performer time just to be present and think, you know what I mean? Like, because it's like, it's just like you're living in it and the audience is focused on you. And it's like, oh, I have chance now to kind of look at the whole show for a flash of a second 
and see kind of like where we are because things aren't moving so fast that, that, uh, that I have to sort of make a wholly impulsive decision right now. And I think that's like three things that like, if we're, cause we, a lot of improvisers listen to this podcast too, you know, cause I mean the crossover between clown and improv, but if you can be so complete in how you react and how you offer, you really just, it's just an easy day at work for whoever you're working with. Yeah, I guess that's something that I, it's, 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 it's nice to hear you say that. I think that's something the very first clown class I took was with this guy named David Gaines. I don't know. He was like a Lecoq guy. And we used to do this exercise on a bench. And it was just about like the thing would happen and you would have this space where you would just emotionally take the thing in your body before you went to the action. And I guess that that stuck and it's underneath. I don't think about it at all now, but I do think that my body, Gilkey was saying this too, because I'd sometimes I go over to the Gilt to the idiot workshops. So fun to, to play in there. And he was just saying like, you're very good at making shapes. And, and I, I really, uh, approach it from an emotional point of view. I'm always thinking about, about how it makes me feel and to, to give a little space for that feeling, little pockets where my emotion is connecting to my, I, I connect to my own emotion and I connect that to my partners or to the audience or whatever. So I think that's a, a key part of it for me. And Let's talk, yeah, oh, the, sim the simplicity is, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, what? Oh boy, Jim, oh. <laughs> beep, please, Jim, put a beep here. Jim, uh, been promising. Okay. That's not the edit beep, Jim. That's, <laughs> Dance break. <laughs> Chad, that was hilarious. Go on. Oh boy. That's the that's what Jim does after a post edit. So people it's effort, like it's fluid. Like uh when you cut a chunk out, Jim just compliments something I assumingly said that was brilliant. Um oh boy. <laughs> um so um if it's if it I, I'm curious because I have not gotten a chance. I actually uh, was really trying to take your uh, last workshop and I just from a from time perspective couldn't with all the stuff that we're talking about and sort of this pursuit on what is clown. I think sometimes it's it's an interesting approach just to talk about like you have a few students come through. You've taught a variety of different things. What are the things that if you have a student for like, say, a two day intensive or even a six week course, what would you say are the most important things you want to pass on to them? in their journey. Like it's early, but these are the things you kind of foundationally want them to think about and try to sort of explore to become better at the craft. Mm -hmm. Well, I've been teaching specifically a lot of Buffon lately. Uh, and so maybe that some of the beginning places for that might be different than if I was beginning with, uh, with clown uh, people who you're talking about people who have, have not had any experience. They're like the beginning level. Yeah, I'm talking about someone like, you know, because most of my students are, be, I don't know what kind of students you're drawing currently, but I'm, there's a great movement in LA and there's just a lot of new people that are interested. Yeah, it's very exciting. And so it's like, for me, I definitely, the way kind of my intensive is structured is like, I have these fundamental things, like, like these, I would say these are three right off the bat. One, every moment is an opportunity to be memorable everything that happens can be codified into a game that you can play with other people. And uh, when in doubt, simply try your best and be sincere. Like, I feel like if I can have them leave uh, my intensive, just kind of thinking about these three things, um, hopefully they can fill in a lot of it, just getting on stage, performing with their friends. But I'm like, these are three things that will serve you for the rest of your entire, your entire career or your entire life. If you want to perform clown. Um, yeah, I suppose there's a few things that, uh, sometimes there's, cross, there's, there's a lot of crossover between the clown and the Buffon stuff, but at the moment, the things that I'm really have been honing in a lot on <clears throat> specifically with the, with the Buffon, and maybe I'll just give a quick definition of that. So people oh, might, be, might be thinking like, what is Buffon? So in relationship to clown, we, I was talking earlier about having a slider with these kind of two ends of a spectrum on it. So maybe the, maybe like both clown and Buffon potentially, involved this sort of connection between the audience and the performer and that they happen in that conversation between them. Um, they both can deal with comedy uh, as well as other things. But um, I would say that maybe with clown, the audience is laughing at the ridiculousness and flaws of the clown. Typically, I mean, the way it's thought of a lot in the modern 
in the modern sense. And then if that's a spectrum on the other side of that, then the Buffon would be uh, laughing at the audience or society, at the ridiculousness and flaws of society. So it's just a, a different take on that. And so the mocking. So the, the Buffon is the person who has great pleasure uh, to mock and uh, and to show that mockery to people. So the things that I've been thinking about are obviously, I start with this sense of being able just to connect and to be, if it's clown, to be vulnerable and, and in connection with the audience, that's a super key thing. And then also I think <clears throat> the connection to your own experience, uh, especially in clown, so that they can feel and think on the outside of their skin. Because we spend a lot of time uh, socializing to, to not show those things, which is necessary, right? But then when you get into that space of engaging uh, with the clown of Buffon, you want to be able to, specifically the clown, to be super open to show all of those things and, and to be aware of what you're feeling. Because sometimes those things are little whispers underneath. And I think as a as you get more experience as a clown, you're like, oh, wait, you know, I feel annoyed by that. I feel kind of excited by that, et cetera. So like listening to those things and then being able to bring them forth and play them. I think about in the Buffon, it's a lot about pleasure because they have pleasure to mock. So this, this ability to recognize when you're having fun and you can kind of miss that or to be able to create the space where you can share your pleasure with the audience. And that pleasure is so, so uh, infectious to be able to show that. And then the other thing I was thinking about recently is, you know, people sometimes get worried about the what. What am I going to do? And that can put you into a state of panic sometimes. Oh, God, I've got to do something specifically. And, it's, and kind of moving more into the question of how. How am I doing it? And how is that fun for me? Like what's potential, which gets you more into a state of play, like out of a writer mode and into a state of play. You know, if it's fun, if something's fun, repeat it. Why not repeat it instead of having to come up with a new thing until it's not fun anymore? Or if it's fun to do it even more, to amplify things. I'm super interested. I was super interested for a long time in Clown and also in Buffon. And it also goes for improvisation. A lot of times, I would see in improvisational scenes that people were doing where it's like kind of strict, you know, improv, improv on a stage. Something would start to get exciting. And then they were like, okay, we got we got enough of a laugh. Let's cap it off and go someplace else. And I'm so interested. I heard this phrase once uh, where somebody was talking about taking something through the roof. And I'm, I'm really fascinated by this idea of like, what's the thing that keeps you from amplifying it even more? Because if you keep doing one thing, you could probably do it even more. And the audience would be like, holy shit, we didn't think that would go even that much farther. So you keep surprising yourself and the audience by doing this the simple thing that you were doing, but taking it up a level, taking it up a level, taking it up a level. Uh, and I think that's a real skill that's uh, really appreciated uh, when, when an audience is surprised by those things. I think too, you know, and this is, you know, so funny that I've been on a similar track in that, like an audience can feel like they're giving you everything, right? Like you're, you've created this really fun moment, but then if you can continue to heighten it, like you're talking about, like if you can break their composure, because they're still kind of giving you everything, but from the passive point of view of it as an audience member. But if you can go to a point where they can no longer kind of hold on to themselves, right? They're just like wild animals, losing their you know what i mean it's like the end yeah. of the planet of the apes it's like they're not even an audience anymore they're just feeling so deeply that you know we've been doing class shows and with clown zoo i've been really pushing for this moment of like getting as many audience members on stage finding different ways to sort of make them the performers in the show and like there is something where you see like they're like you've you've sort of broken the last rule which is this contract between audience and performer you know, like, like if you can break that final rule of like what the, what theater, like if you can destroy what theater is and the whole room is like alive, but you have to do what you're talking about. Like it only, you only get there if you go through the roof, if it gets mm -hmm. to a point where they're overloaded, their wires are fried. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it feels very, um, 
like forced, you know, like, and you have to accept like in the process of exploration, oh, yeah. you're like, okay, this one felt like we were trying way too hard to include this audience and they didn't want to be like, this was for us and not for them. But uh, I just, uh, and we're going to have her on as a guest eventually. Um, I co-taught, you, have you met Kira Nova? The, yes. The, the yeah, yeah. movement expert. Well, yeah, we, we co-taught it, uh, taught this class called clown thunder fucking Ferno. And we've been right. really trying to push the class show into like, we want this to be everyone who comes to this class show is like, I, I've never seen a class. Show. Like that is not what a class show is. And we had like moments of tension in the middle where it was so chaotic that we didn't know if the audience was with us or detach. Like we couldn't tell because it was so tense. But by the end, we did have the audience on stage and I'm using my flashlights and it's like a rave. And I had been teasing these three children in the audience. Like really, like every time I went up to explain something, I'd put the flashlight under my face and they were laughing. Like I could see like, so the audience is like, he's menacing these children, three <laughs> adorable it. kids under 10. <laughs> and at the end of the show at the Elysian, so the Elysian has a setup where there's a stairwell that goes up to a small riser in the back, like a little bit of a, of a level change. And I was up there with the flashlights and I look and these kids have joined me up there. And so then I gave them my flashlights and they're now children conducting the rave and everyone's yes. the children on and they're like and it was like it was like there we go that's it so like when the moments like that happen where you're like it's all worth it um but i i'd be lying if i said that there weren't times where i tried to orchestrate that moment you're discussing through the roof the whole thing blows up where I, the audience is kind of looking like ah, we would have rather have stayed in our like we did not want like they're not like they didn't have a bad time, mm. but it's not like, oh, my God, this was this ethereal experience. It felt a little more like not scary farms, you know, like it felt like, more, <laughs> like forced immersion. Um, but but yeah, I yeah guess they you have, to have to be inspired. Yeah, it has to be. But like, but how do you find inspiration other than to like just keep trying every possible like solution, like every possible offer? And then you find things and you sort of discard the things that don't work. Uh, I want to talk to you about one more thing before I hear your definition of clown, which is I also really uh, feel connected to you, even though we've been friends for a short time, because I do feel like I was thinking I want to have you and I'd like to I'd like to have a dinner. Yeah, I would let's love to talk us, about it. Let's yeah. let's 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 the three of us and 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 let's invite. Jim doesn't, uh, I mean, Jim, Jim's uh, busy. Jim's busy. Uh, well, come on, Jim. And, and, and Jet, too. Let's invite Jet, too. Oh, yeah. Well, then, um, how about just you, me, and Jet? I mean, Jim's just, I mean, Jim's got a lot going on. Um, actually, maybe maybe Jet and Jim and not you, actually. That's starting well, to sound on. pretty good. I like where you're going with this, Eric. All right. Um, but is also, like, sometimes, you know, I'm always the oldest guy in the room. You know what I mean? Like, I'm doing, I do a ton of stand-up shows. I do a ton of variety shows. Always the oldest guy, unless Jim's with me. Um, then I feel youthful and spry. Um, no, but, <laughs> but you're also, I feel like a lot of our contemporaries, some, by the way, some of which are brilliant performers and clowns. And it frustrates me to be totally honest that they are just not get, they're not putting themselves in the shit anymore. And I know it's scary to, to sort of go out and maybe you're at a show with your students or people who've just started, and maybe you're not going to be the best one at that show, you know, like maybe you're going to have a bad set. But like, I was like, this is a guy who still wants to be out there. He is ready to just like eat trash. If it doesn't, like, <laughs> just like me, like, you have to, you yeah. have to. And, uh, and, and yeah. And I, I just, I feel like I'm not like not calling out anyone by name, but it's like, to me that it's like, you can't, you shouldn't maybe necessarily like if you're Gallier and you can't like, you can barely get out of it. I don't expect you to go up and do like juggle, like, you know, like he's an older man. Like, but if you still have Chad the ability to go, <laughs> just, just, just I, I pick on him Eric. sometimes. Cause it's like such an easy target. Like, what's fan. he going to do? He's a big he fan. never leaves that little town. What's he going to do? Come here. I do um, believe but, you just challenged him to a fight now. Is that well, what just happened right now? Let's be clear. By the way, I'm not saying I'm a better teacher than Gallier, but in a in a pit fight, he may he lasts maybe 15 seconds with me. Like in a no rules pit fight, I mean he's like like there's the odds in Vegas would be like ten thousand to one. He is an elderly man, right, Chad? I mean, well, he's a clown master, but 
But I do feel like sometimes unless he I, insulted you first, and then you might just cry and weep on your knees. Yeah, maybe if he if he was if he was able to sort of insult me from outside the cage for a while, then by the time he comes in, I'm reduced to rubble. Uh, that is true. Um, but I do feel like, and maybe, and you, know, I'm not asking you to agree with me on this. I'm just I'm just voicing this out. It's like this is true about improv teachers. This is true about clowns. This is like it's like you're gonna lose something if you stop getting out there. Like, it's not that your knowledge isn't worthy anymore, but guess what? Every audience is different. And the audiences I play for now are very different than the audiences I played for pre-pandemic, are very different than the audiences I played for like in 2010. Like the world changes. And like part of me just wants to know, like just wants to be in this constant conversation with what is happening right now. Mm, That's beautiful. What's the question? (laughs) So you think these you think these people are a bunch of chicken shits? Is that what you think, Eric? Because I respect them, but it seems like what you're saying is you think they're cowards. What, what, I just want to know what the question is. So the question is like, why do you think you they're think. cowards? Oh, okay. Wait, what was it? What, I missed it. What the was question it? is, Eric Davis brought up that he thinks that our contemporaries – should be out doing these shows just like Eric and I and not just teaching class. And he's going to explain to us why he thinks they don't have what it takes anymore. <laughs> no, uh, uh, no, thanks for reminding me. Um, yeah, that's a super important thing. And it's the same thing that you deal with when you're beginning at whatever, whatever age you're beginning. And, and I've had, I'm seasoned. I've got some years in me now. And still when I'm making a new piece, I have less worry about it now than I did when I was younger. I was really tense and nervous and a little defensive about well, a little, you know, a lot defensive about it, you know, earlier in my career. And I still battle those feelings, but you can't, we're hunting for something. And whether you, I'm sure like you, you also do uh, screenwriting and you also do devising on the stage through improvisation. And I was wondering, they both involve writing a bunch of shit that's not the thing and, and, and searching and finding. So you, you you have to go through that process. It's just that the process sometimes of finding that in front of people can be uh, daunting. And you're right. I was just getting ready to go to, I'm getting ready to go to Vancouver. I'm going to mentor somebody and I'm going to teach a class. And I was thinking, well, maybe I'll do a show there. And I had that thing of, of, I had that question of like, ah, doing this show, you know, and what if and that, that thought of like, what if it doesn't go as well as I want to? And usually the show is going like pretty damn good. Um, but I think the risk is, is so much a part of the work. And also it's this, regardless of the clown or the clown shows, if I'm, if I'm more comfortable with being able to risk in front of people, I'm a stronger, happier person because I'm not as dominated by the fear. I'm not, I, was all, I was fascinated with the idea that Phil Berger's Dr. Brown would go to uh, Adelaide and develop a show starting with nothing, if that's true. I mean, I think it, I think it basically is, and develop the whole show in front of the audience and just like, oh my God, that sounds so terrifying to me to not have some stuff worked out before I do that. But now I'm really moving towards that space. I'm starting to go in front of audiences with not much at all except for just a premise. And I love discovering the things. And I love, I think in Gilkey's class, I, uh, the Idiot Workshop, they gave this prompt and I might've changed it. But when, now when I go on stage, my agenda is to be the best version of Eric, which doesn't mean the nicest. It just means like the most Eric I can possibly be in any particular direction and just deal with the consequences of that. Uh, so what's that? Three vests? Is that three vests? It's like I have a, that means I have to, I should, start, I should, that's a great idea. I should start, I should bring a few vests with me to stay on stage and be like, you know, I'm not sure this is the right one. Bring out another that, vest yeah. to put on mid, mid set if things aren't going well. uh we've reached that time so uh eric you know we've had this uh, it's been a fruitful wonderful conversation thank you for being here um i wonder you wonder if it was good or not i mean this will be edited down to like 15 minutes Uh, make it seem make me seem funnier and smarter and more succinct 
I'm uh, I'm good. I'm not that good. Um, okay. <laughs> but uh, right now, um, we're gonna we're about to hit the minute of Jim. But before we do, I now will pose the question to you, oh, Eric shit. Davis. What is clown? Jesus, I forgot this was coming. I'm not ready. It's well, we can't. We're uh, not. We don't edit this thing, so it's just going to be painful silence. Okay then. Let's. let's <laughs> Just go from your heart, Eric, from your uh, heart. I okay. mean, it, it will exist forever in the form of a podcast. People will quote okay. it. Great. Um, it'll be what you think clown is, but what is clown? Uh, for me, the secret to clown is. He's just being silent. Like, so I just, just so nothing's no, going uh, on. Uh, I'm not going to shorten that. Yeah. I'm leaving it. Because you know, timing it's, is everything. It's so complicated, but I guess the things that I think about are if I'm thinking more towards clown and, and not Buffon, but I like to I like to put them all together. It has something it has something to do with these dynamics. It's something about it's a you know, you are you're it's a more free and open version of yourself that you can play. And that that you're for me, I, I love the sensibility of this conversation with the audience so that you're connected with the audience. It's like I said, I think I said before that you're feeling and thinking on the, on the outside of your skin. So you're a bit more accessible about who you are. And I think that there's a lot of, hopefully there's laughter, like you're hunting for fun or maybe laughter and the things that are ridiculous about you. I love this, this sort of saying, I think like Oye, who, who I know you love, uh, says fan. this thing about- a big fan. Yeah, not Jim though. Uh, that he gives this idea, this this idea of um, this person tells a tells a joke, and nobody laughs at the joke, but then they the clown doesn't understand why they didn't laugh at the joke, and they get the stupid like confused look on their face, and then everybody laughs at that thing, and that so they're, they're laughing at you. And not necessarily your 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 funny idea or joke. Mm. Like that's this kind of that's this kind of like pure clown space. But it's also we love to talk about it that way because that and that does happen. But we also know that that's not it. Unless you just make a, a show that's just full of ambushes and you go out there without any expectation of of when they're going to laugh and it just happens. Which I think Phil probably has that process sometimes. But then there's this other space of the clowning which involves this craft. So sometimes it's it's that pure clown thing. And then sometimes it's a space where you've discovered these things where people are laughing at you, but it's the thing that people laugh at you about behind your back. You know, I want my clown to be this way. And sometimes it is, but a lot most more often than it's not, it's not the thing you want your clown to be. It's the thing that they're laughing at you at you about behind your back that you're uncomfortable with because that's what's ridiculous about you. It's unrefined and it's not the hero type. So they end up laughing at that thing about you. Um, but then so sometimes you have these pure clown moments, sometimes you, you think, oh, that's that thing about me that's that people like. And they laughed at this thing. So now I'm going to have to recreate that moment, which once was just an organic, beautiful thing. But then this sort of thing comes in of like the craft of the performer who has to recreate that moment. Or then this, there's this other thing sometimes where it's about you're just very good at playing the game of being an idiot. And you might be fucking, some people are genius at that. They're so good at playing the game of I'm an idiot. And so any of those things, you could look at it and the, ob and, the, and the audience just looks at it and says, oh, this person's an idiot. I'm laughing at them. But, you, but the truth is you're kind of going between all of these spaces when you're creating a clown show. And what's the difference between like the spectrums again, between the pure clown moment and then moving something towards maybe farce where it's a show about idiots, but it's clockwork and they're just executing as an actor these beautifully, you know, crafted play about idiots. So it lies in all of that space between from the pure accident to the well-timed crafted bit. Nice and concise. Thank you, Eric. 
Well said. Oh, God. Well said. Oh, God. I was supposed to say 30 words or less. I totally forgot. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, we can edit that out. That's part A. I've got parts B, C, and D as well. Uh, you know, you're so, and I'll say, we got to get to the minute of Jim, but I will say, we like, don't have to you're do so, it. I think Eric pretty much. No, no, no. It it's important no, now that Eric has really just put it out there. But you're so right in the sense that, like, one of the th- my pet peeves is uh, when people are like, it's just your child. And it's like, you know what? A lot of kids suck. Like, <laughs> like a lot of kids make us want to strangle them. Like, yeah, are there moments? It's like a lot of dogs make us miserable. And sometimes they make it like, so like, it's not any one thing. It's like, and that is like, what's so fun, I guess, what we're hoping is fun about this podcast, because everything you said, I'm like, yep, yep, yep. But it also is this sort of snake eating its own tail. It's like, yes, sort of. um, uh, But thank you very much, Eric. And now we're going to um, yield the podcast to the musical technical director, James Venable, who will now. Yeah, it's in my contract that I get this usually before the first hour but okay i guess this will be fine whenever you didn't ask me if i yield by the way Uh, (laughs) have you not yield that's the that's the formal way do you yield do you yield eric davis no i do not yield (laughs) (laughs) yes i yield all right all right so what did i learn is what chad didn't say um i learned that when you guys remember stories about yourselves performing on stage and there's three performers on stage plus me holding you guys together and then you refer back to it as, I remember how much fun the three of us had. It really shows me how much you appreciate what I bring to a show. And so I just might suggest the four of us next time. You're absolutely right. Thank you. I, I, no commentary necessary, Eric. Thank you. Um, Let's see. Eric, you're a very generous performer, though, because you did mention me and throw some love. Wait, is this all about you? How you? (laughs) This is supposed to be about the the big ideas. So, uh, okay, I've got a couple big ideas. I think based on everything you've said, you guys must really like the Blue Man Group. Um, Chad really wants some of the other instructors to get in the shit, and he thinks they're all a bunch of scaredy cats. Um, (laughs) Shit. Let's see. Oh, Chad had three things. Every moment is a possible great moment. When in doubt, be um, authentic. And then a third one I don't remember. Do you remember, Chad? Yeah, I, of course I remember. They're mine. <laughs> Jim, Jim I- this is falling apart. This is how the podcast ends. It's got to be so, glorious. Okay, the glorious I, thing I, I have to say is that these two clown greats are really there because they want to, quote, curate a dynamic journey of fun. That's lovely. Thank you, Jim. And thank you very much, Eric Davis. Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, That is... uh, Say thank you to Eric Davis. I'll edit that. Hold on. Just put it in that envelope. This is the big thing. (laughs) That was hilarious, Chad. (laughs) Uh, This has been Stand Up and Clown, the podcast. Um, This is inspired by a live show that we often do at the Elysian Theater. Um, Go to the liner notes. Not only will we have a bunch of information about Eric Davis and potential ways to maybe train with Eric or see Eric perform, but also links to our shows and Stand Up and Clown Show and other projects that we have going on Uh, until – and unfortunately, Eric, I'm embarrassed that you have to hear this, but until we uh, meet again, everyone, keep on clowning. Oh, God. (laughs) Happened by accident. I'm going to wash my ears out. (laughs) 